Welcome to Blow and Smoke Barbecue with Kendall Bryant, 2018 Small Business Award winner and 2019 Businessman of the Year. Every time I smell smoke, I'm What's up and welcome to Blow and Smoke Barbecue. I'm your host, Barbecue Pitmaster and Butcher Shop owner, Kendall Bryant. I'm going to share barbecue tips and secrets along the way with what cuts of meat work best for what you're making. I like his ribs, I like his brisket, I like his pulled pork, I like everything he makes. It's phenomenal. This podcast is going to future world champion pitmasters, world-class wrestlers, some executive chefs and others in the food industry to bring you the best barbecue and business tips that can help you in your future barbecue. Blow and Smoke Barbecue. Blow and Smoke Barbecue. Blow and Smoke Barbecue with my daddy, Kendall Bryant. This podcast is brought to you by Snowflake Smokehouse. I only smoke the good stuff. Hello, how are you? Welcome to Blow and Smoke Barbecue. I'm your host, Kendall Bryant. Today I have a super special guest, Diana Clark from Certified Angus Beef has joined us. How are you, Diana? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Nice. What's the weather like back there? It is actually 75 and sunny. Ooh. Just a light breeze. It's gorgeous out. We've had some hot days, so I really do appreciate this. It was 48 this morning. That's beautiful. I was at I was in Phoenix over the weekend at 120. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I took I took steaks down and a Traeger down. And uh um, you know, it, it, I was like, why do I want to go wait in a restaurant when I can cook by a pool? So true. <laughs> and it doesn't take that long for it to heat up. So it's pretty nice. <laughs> uh, the pool was definitely, yeah, it was, all of it was nice. I mean, the <laughs> Traeger got hot fast. The pool was uh, nice, come about 637. Um, my daughter's face looks like some of your meat in the background. <laughs> the poor girl. <laughs> but uh, overall, I mean, such a great time. It was, it was a great Father's Day weekend. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I literally always take meat with me down there. Like I cannot not take take it with me. <laughs> Once you know good stuff, you can't pass it up. Yes, it seriously, it is so hard because we still went shopping, but I mean, I'm so I had prime grade rib, prime grade ribeyes. So I, that was my Father's Day to myself. <laughs> Cooked my own, but uh, <laughs> we took fillets. We took fillets down, and then. Um, my wife likes kebabs. Um, she eats pretty clean and kebabs kind of give you like everything, having vegetables plus proteins, you know, so. Yeah. So it worked. I mean, it was, it was cool. Um, we had a, an MMA fighter come meet us. Um, he's a great dude. Um, he actually has a Traeger. We gave him some meat and uh, uh, his name is Bryce Meredith, super awesome guy. And uh, we had them, him and his girlfriend over for dinner and um, kebab seemed to work. He eats clean, you know, he's he's fighting, so he's eats pretty good, and it just worked out really good. Um, so, do you want to tell a little bit about your stuff, a little bit of your background? You're froze. Chicago, um, I stumbled into animal science. I went to University of Illinois. Uh, really was focused on becoming a vet. That was kind of my goal. And so I 
I went into animal science and while I was there, I actually discovered the University of Illinois Meat Lab because they sent out an email to animal science students of, hey, we need employees. And I was a poor college student that needed to pay for school. Um, so I said I would, I would work there. So my, uh, my first day on the job, I didn't realize this at the time, but we actually went through this little weed out process by our meat manager. And he would have us come on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. Little did I know that is harvest day at University of Illinois. So here's this little girl from Chicago suburbs going into this harvest facility. And uh, I was definitely eyes wide open absorbing, but I wasn't it, it, like I wasn't disgusted at all. And nor do I think anyone should be because it's a very clean process. Uh, but I was more amazed and in awe and just kept asking why and what's going on. And then I realized there's this whole science behind the muscle or the meat of the animal. Um, so from there, I actually just continued on trying to learn more about meat science. I joined the meat judging team at University of Illinois. Um, that was just a great experience. You get to travel from uh, university to university and different meat packing plants throughout the United States and really dove in and got to meet a lot of people within industry. And then uh, from there, I continued on and got my master's in meat science. And then not probably, gosh, now it's like six years, seven years ago, um, we moved to Ohio. My husband also, he has a PhD in meat science. So our, our family is really meat focused. My actually, my daughter who is now three at age two, she was peeling tenderloin. So I was pretty proud of her on that one. That is awesome. Um, <laughs> just got to get that knife, those knife skills down and she'll be good. Uh, but then from uh, from there, we moved to Ohio and I started working at Certified Angus Beef. And so that's kind of got me to where I am today. And I really, I loved working with animals. I love animals and that, that whole aspect of things. Um, but the meat side of things, I just, I felt like it was so neat. You talked about being in like how meat is, you can have that clean, the nutrition and everything. I got really focused on nutrition uh, within that. So meat protein is a great source of nutrition. So that was a really cool tie-in to my research as a master's student. Um, but then also just that the science behind it all, just understanding what goes into making beef. So what goes into producing that animal, the genetics, the nutrition in the animal, and then all of the other parameters that go into the carcass standpoint of things that you can do to like as a consumer to screw it up at the end. But how you can follow all these best practices to get the best quality meat that that you can eat. So that is uh, that's really cool because there's so much more than just like yeah we just we just let it roam and then all of a sudden here's this beef and it's either good or bad right I mean yeah. it's, there's so much more behind it right behind quality in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. There's it's amazing the amount of science that goes into it and it always blows my mind when people think that the the United States beef system is, is corrupt and bad for you and you shouldn't eat beef from here. But this is by far the safest country to eat meat in. And the producers are so well to their cattle because not only because they like animals, but also because if you don't treat them well, they're not gonna be as good in terms of quality. So they need to be treated well. They, that's, their livelihood is within that. Um, but just the genetics that go into it is is incredible to see all of the science that has driven our brand certified Angus beef and then just driven the beef industry in general. Nice. And I'm a big fan of certified Angus beef. Like when I first got into the um, butcher shop, 
you know, I was like anybody else, like I tested uh, the waters with like, hey, there's a deal, right? On this is choice, this is no real whatever. Like I just tested the waters and it seemed like when I discovered the consistency of certifying as beef, no lie, it's when I had better results for my business. I had better results from the customers, like coming back and being like, this beef is far better than what I'm used to eating. Like there was multiple stages of it that for me just kept me wanting to buy certified Angus beef. That's awesome. And that's how I got stuck with kind of being one of those people that uh, is like, this makes a difference. And then you take that into my cooking um, aspect of things and same thing, like, you use a better quality meat, you get better results. I mean, cooking briskets and having a good quality brisket, to me, you're getting a lot better result out of it. Oh yeah, that's what we had a professor. He would say, um, you can't make good ice cream out of pig poop. That was kind of like his, his quote. So I completely agree with that. When you start with low quality, you're going to get low quality, regardless of what, especially when you think about brisket, regardless of what you're pumping into it or seasoning you're putting on it or smoker that you have, the beef needs to be high quality to start. Otherwise, you're not going to have a great tasting brisket at the end. Yeah, there's times where I will, um, I don't know, I don't taste it as much anymore as far as like sample it. Like when I first nailed brisket, like got it to where I had the tenderness I wanted, the texture I wanted, everything. I used to taste it every time I sliced it. Like I would just be like, I gotta try it first. Like I was just so nervous that I had to. And now uh -huh. I can like slice it and then I'll pick one up. I'll be like, yeah, I got that one. You know, <laughs> it's just a lot different for me now. But um, it, it, I am better now using the quality grade meats than when I first started and just using whatever was on sale. I feel like that's where my results have kept me with uh, a high praise of my cooking as far as the results we use of the product well, we use. A lot of people don't realize the variability within the beef industry. I mean, you can have something that's not marbled at all. And that's, I mean, the marbling is going to drive home your flavor anywhere. So you need to make sure that you have high quality to start. And so many people just don't even know to look for that uh, when it comes to picking out that steak or roast or whatever. You know, what's funny is um, in, our, in our specials that we sell, we basically, is we choose the meat in it, like we'll put three New Yorks. Well, you get three of whatever we get. So, you know, awesome. um, you just, we, we stack it, it's put in a tray, whatever. I literally had a prime grade brought back to me that said, I don't like all this fat. Oh my gosh. I'm like, lady, listen, this Please. is, this is <laughs> like people would kill to have this for the price you just got it at. And she was so rude. So every, it was terrible. It was, I, and me and my meat cutters were just looking at her like, what in the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> But that's part of not knowing, right? I mean, it's part of the unknown, the difference in fat and marble, the difference in people just not knowing what's going to render down and be a really good tender steak. 
And that's the, the thing too, even from a health standpoint, the marbling especially is not unhealthy. It's made of more of your oleic fatty acids. So you think of your omega, omega fatty acids, they always say omega-3 is great heart healthy fat and is found in a lot of different like um, salmon and fish and all that. So they say to eat more of that, but that oleic fatty acid is that omega-9 fatty acid and it, it's that unsaturated. So it breaks down more easily. It definitely is heart healthy. There's been countless amount of studies done by uh, Texas A&M. There's Dr. Steve Smith. He is phenomenal. He's, I consider him the fat guru when it comes to, to beef, um, where it shows that actually eating this is beneficial to your heart. So it, it will actually lower your, your bad cholesterol and increase your good cholesterol. So it, it, it helps you do better in life. And I know everyone just sees white and they think it's bad. No, it's, it's not. It's still healthy for you. It's what are you consuming when you also eat that healthy steak? Because they'll blame it on the steak, but then they'll have a potato loaded with butter and bacon and everything like that. It's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> let's, let's not blame it on the steak. Let's think about everything else that's being consumed. And after you've had three beers to go with it too, it's like, all right, now, now let's really point this one out here. Okay, so it's so funny you just brought up the butter thing. So over the weekend, I, I had my dad come over Sunday. Um, he lives down the valley where, where I stayed. I invited him over so I could fix some dinner. And he's he's eating fairly clean. He's, he's trying to do the same thing as my wife does. And um, he, he sits down next to me. And I swear he had a tablespoon of butter per section of corn. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, you, you like... He said something, made a comment a little bit later about, I had all I can have of so-and-so this. And I, I'm like, dad, you also <laughs> had a tablespoon of butter with every bite. Like, that's a little excessive. He was like, well, it's just today. And I'm like, you didn't want any more corn. He was done with corn because he had enough is what he said. And I'm like, well, oh the corn probably wasn't as bad. The tablespoon of butter, dad, is a little excessive. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Nonetheless, I mean, it's, it's funny because I buttered the corn as I pulled it off the smoker. Oh, my and, God. <laughs> and then he added that to it. So that sucker had to be drenched. Like it just, oh, my gosh. I don't know if he tasted corn. <laughs> I'm not sure. It was, it, was, it was a good time, though. We just gave our daughter corn on the cob for the first time this summer. And she is like obsessed with it now. And it is primarily because the butter that we put on the corn on the cob, not the actual, I think the corn is not, doesn't really care, but it's the butter that goes on top of it. So for me, it was the two prongs that went in the side of it for me to go from one side to the other. We had the yellow corn prongs when I was a kid. So we totally have those two and she did like them, but then she pulled it out and went to go put it back in and ended up poking herself. Poking herself. So she Done. <laughs> Done with those. <laughs> Done with those. Well, so it's funny you said there's another guy out there that knows more about beef than you because obviously I always think you're just a guru. So I just, anytime I have questions, it's, I just reach <laughs> out to you. But um, and that's awesome because that's it's cool that there's so much knowledge out there, you know, and it's, it's good that you explained it the way you did because that is a common thing asked about when we meal prep for people or something. I can't have too much red meat or I can't have this or I can't have that. And it's like, if you will just do a balance, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll be a lot better off, you know, like 
I don't look like it because I don't really do a balance. You know, my, for me, sometimes I have to go get away. So I have to go eat somewhere and I don't always do great, but there's times when I can do the balance and I feel so much better. And so, I don't yeah. know. And that's what, I mean, meat is a complete protein. So if you think about it, the easiest way to think about it, let's say you, you have to your body needs certain amino acids every day. It's your amino acid requirement to, in order to help you survive. And amino acids are part of everything within your body. So meat actually has a profile that's extremely similar to what we need to survive. So literally we can take in a six ounce serving of beef and we get our complete need of that amino acid requirement in your day and you're done. When you look at other protein sources, it doesn't work that way. You might be able to get it like with some of your plant proteins and everything, but you have to consume so much more in order to make it to that level. But then there's other ones that will tout like peanut butter. They'll say, oh yeah, it's full of protein. It is full of protein, but it's not the same amino acid profile that we need. So you could consume as much peanut butter as you want and you still would never reach your daily requirement. So it, it really is. It's just knowing all of that, that information and understanding that Okay, let's let's build a meal out of this and really think about the different parts of it too. Yeah, so my wife's uh, eating habit that she's on diet, whatever, and she dropped about seventy pounds over the last two years. That's phenomenal. She eats a ton though; like it is a ton of food, but it's all balanced food. It's all weighed out. It's all a system, and you know what? Like she feels better. She says. Um, I can't choke down that much vegetables. Like I could choke down double the, the protein, but I mean, I'm good with like a cup of vegetables. I, I mean, a whole freaking plate's a little much. So I give her a lot of props because she can, to watch her eat, it's three plates every single meal. Every That's meal. awesome. And yeah, I'm like, babe, we need to go. And <laughs> the other day she's like, well, I have to eat first. And we just were and the, like our house is supposed to close any day and we were going to pick up carpet for the remodel. And I'm like, babe, there's places I can take you. And she's like, no, I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. And then we can go. So what happens? She eats healthy and I go to firehouse subs and eat like crap. That's why she looks good. And I don't. Oh goodness. But it's, I, I do feel like the better beef is better for the people. Um, I actually am doing a test run with one of the wrestlers right now who he was, he was wanting, um, straight grass fed beef. He felt like it was better for him. And I'm like, dude, you need to look this up. You're smart. Do some research on it. And I'm like, I'll give it to you, but give it a shot. Like give it a shot. Cause, and then I explained something in my opinion of what's going on, like in Arizona right now. And, you know, with the fires, the chemicals, different things like that. And I'm like, dude, that's considered grass fed. Like that, that, that beef could be like eating the weeds and chemicals drop just like that. Like, and it's never finished with grain or never, like, I'm like, dude, that's, that's not what you want, man. And totally gave him the CAB website, CAB app, asked him to read it and stuff and asked him how his body felt. And he said, pretty good. He's going to keep experimenting, but he, you know, like, I just, uh, I just wanted him to try it and like, dude, there's a reason that they hold yourself to a higher standard. There's more things that these things have to pass in order to, to reach their standards. And I said, dude, I believe in it, man. So 
why don't you can you touch on the difference of that maybe like where people get misunderstood by a straight grass-fed beef you know without being finished straight up yep. and then obviously what CAB does yeah and that's a great question and there's just so much confusion around it too I think a lot of people just presume that grass-finished beef is healthier or they think just from an animal handling standpoint that it's it's better for the animal, animal welfare. Um, but honestly, regardless if they're conventionally fed or grass finished, so if they're grain finished or grass finished, they're gonna be going through the same operations. Um, at all points in beef's life, they are consuming grass or forage of some sort because they need to, they're rumen. So the ones that are grain finished, it's not that they're strictly eating grain, it's just that they have some grain mixed in with their forage and that's really the difference. But the biggest difference is the overall quality of that flavor in the end. And you will get so much more flavor out of your, your conventionally your grain finished beef than your grass finished beef. And some grass finished cattle might be able to get there but the consistency is extremely low. Uh, we actually had a butcher shop in Ohio that came down. Um, so they own a butcher shop and have a restaurant next to it, kind of very similar to you. Um, but so they would buy in certified Angus beef for their restaurant. But their butcher shop, the two owners, one of them kind of runs the butcher shop. The other one runs this farm and he brings in his grass finished cattle that they cut and put into their case. However, they won't put that in their restaurant. They only put the grass finished cattle in their meat case. And they said the reason why is because it doesn't taste good and it's not consistent. They said usually there's one month out of the year that we might get some good high quality beef, but that's about it. And it's really not fun to work with and does like the butcher himself doesn't enjoy it, but he knows it will sell just from a label standpoint. But from a nutrition standpoint, I mean, really, it's, it's not more nutritious. Um, it's, they're actually at par in terms of nutrition. You're gonna get more flavor than you would out of your, your grain finished and your grass finished beef. And that's really where certified Angus beef comes in is making sure that the flavor is always there and the product is consistent. So we have 10 specifications that the carcass needs to meet in order to make it into our brand. And the first three really focus on that consumer for the tenderness, juiciness, and flavor, making sure it has enough marbling, it's the right age and the marbling is the right type. And then from just an end user standpoint, that consistency, making sure that it's a consistent size in terms of that ribeye size. It doesn't have too much back fat thickness because we don't want to have these cattle be wasty or anything like that. We want them to be efficiently produced in this that the carcass weight's kept in check. And then it also picks out any things that kind of are oddities within the industry, but are still there. So you think of your light muscled cattle that sometimes can make it into the beef industry. We don't really want those around. Um, we also have your Brahmin or Boston syndicus type cattle. We really don't wanna have those cattle around either because they just remain tough even after you age them. So we kick those out of the program. And then we don't allow for any, just some blemishes in terms of dark cutters and uh, blood splashing. So we remove that from our brand too. But essentially, we're looking for these cattle that have premium quality that we know is going to deliver on taste every single time. And then it gives you that consistency for the end user, knowing that, like you said, you can cook a brisket and not have to worry to taste it because you know the product was good from the start. So that's really the goal behind certifying his beef is just making sure that we de de develop that high quality product 
And we are actually owned by the American Angus Association. Um, so the American Angus Association is just farmers and ranchers that raise Angus cattle throughout the United States. Um, so we really take direction from them. And our goal is just to continue to promote the Angus breed. Uh, they actually, our board of directors was in two weeks ago. Uh, it was just a lot of fun to sit down with them and talk and see where they're making adjustments within the breed and how that impacts our company. Uh, but it's just, it's great to see how we influence their, I mean, the farmers and ranchers, and we help their livelihood by promoting the brand too. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's good for, like you said, it's good for the farmers. And, you know, to me, you should always, if you're stuck in like my way or no way, to me, you are um, probably struggling in business or life in general, like, you have to change a little bit in the fact that like what you're saying, see what you can do for adjustments, the little adjustments they made, like that's good. They're trying to even make it better in my opinion from listening to what you just said. And to me, that is really important um, from a standpoint, like it's already freaking good, but let's just make it better. That's like one of the neatest things about the brand, like both Certified Angus Beef and the American Angus Association. The American Angus Association is always, I mean, they do genetic records of all of the cattle that are registered under the Angus breed. So they know if there's something bad, like we're gonna go through and pick this out to make sure we're just continue to improve the herd. And then also at Certified Angus Beef, every year we, we are going through all of the data of, of cattle that were Angus type and got Certified Angus Beef stamp and looking at those carcass characteristics and seeing, okay, what adjustments can we make in order to improve the brand? So, I mean, it's just constantly, we want to know the most about our product. So we want to dive into research as much as we can in order to improve the brand to help our customer in, in the end. That's, that's awesome to hear. So I want to, I'm, I'm looking at your, your background right now and I'm eyeing, you know, how many cuts I know and stuff like that like you know I love your cut Wednesday you know it's uh it's a lot of fun sometimes there's it's cool because there's different words sometimes you know that other people use um it's nice that you explain to people um different word usages for it um I I really have enjoyed learning um it's like I never stop learning from your guys's uh Instagram from from your chefs, from you guys as meat scientists and stuff. Like, I mean, for me, that's the most educational thing that I've done in the meat industry was come out there, visit, see firsthand why. Like, right? That's my why was was that's awesome. learning that's awesome. learning the truth behind behind the whole thing. So and that's really our, our goal too is just to educate about the beef industry in general. So it's it's always fun just to see the light bulbs click and yeah, just keep promoting beef and yeah, the beef industry. So I I took I took quite a few things from from being out there. Um and I and I try really hard to share them with my customers. Um I'll have people come in and be like, I need 50 steaks, I'm feeding 50 people. No, you don't need 50 steaks. No, you don't. Like, let me help you out here, man. You know? And then I explained to him, like, dude, we went out there and we were a group of meat eaters and they didn't feed us 50. We didn't all get our own steak. Like, this is how you do this. Like, so, so many people, because meat is the most expensive item, right, is, is the protein, right? 
they get the concept that they have to feed people this way. And the most common question I get is, how much per pound is this? It is all freaking day. But I got asked the other day, how much, how much is a ribeye? And I loved it because I'm like, dude, you can get a nice steak for literally eight to 10 bucks. Like you can get a nice steak, you know? But if you tell them it's X amount per pound, they think, well, that's too, that's too much. And it's like so weird. But so I learned to tell, to teach people kind of how I ate back there a little bit. So I said, what they did was they would cook thicker steaks, slice them back. We would take a couple pieces and then I had a wider variety of sides. And I said, when I do family functions, I try to do the same thing. Oh like, yeah. So my daughter was baptized to, uh, two years ago and we oh. had, we had a, a thing of tomahawks come in and the bone, you know how, you know, how bone goes around at first before the meat, you know, yeah. um, just, it, it was a little stout on the bone and I just, so I, I cut it off and then we had, we had tomahawk steaks at two and a half inches thick without the bone. So we had two and a half inch thick ribeyes for her. So she wanted, no lie, I, I've, I've always kind of let my kids pick their, their big functions. So we did seven two and a half inch thick ribeyes. Dang. We did brisket. We did pulled pork. We did ribs. <laughs> I did all of it. And then. <laughs> and um it was really cool but you know like was there a lot of waste absolutely but i'm telling you my family i come from seven boys and they literally we pounded as much protein as you could freaking eat <laughs> I mean, there wasn't hardly sides on our plate it was just loaded up with stuff but you know the concept of uh feeding a large amount of people i mean there was only seven steaks i mean it can be done it's just how you choose to do it right um, but I, so I took that and then another thing you just talked about was like education and trying to teach us that's what I do as well I share a lot of the certified Angus beef uh, video clips or something on Facebook and stuff with my with my team but I, or with uh, my following and stuff and then I also will explain um, reasons why like this is what you look for this is why this is why you can use this cut this is whatever because you know, Pinterest is a great thing. I mean, high five to all the people out there killing it with recipes and stuff and making cool home cooked meals, but they think you can't alter them with meat. And that's, that's something that we've had to teach people is that you absolutely can. You can oh, yeah. use so many cuts being versatile, you know, um, and, and same with jerky. I mean, I'll get people in here that want me to cut something specific from jerky and, you know, I'll do it. Well, I'll do what they want if I have it. But I mean, I, I like London broil for my jerky if I'm making it. Doesn't mean everybody does, you know? Yeah. But trying I also to teach. Yeah, totally. Like that. And I, I see that often here too. I mean, even with our own staff of just getting locked into, well, this is the cut I need. It's like, well, if you more just understand where the cut came from and then you can think about all even so um mandy adderholt she she works at certified angus beef she raises angus cattle um you guys were out at her farm and everything so she she asked me she said well i have this recipe i need to do um but i only have a bottom round and it's calling for a top round like okay well i know they're not the exact same muscle 
but they're really, really similar in terms of muscle texture and where it's located on the animal and how it's used, you can pretty much switch those out and be good to go. Um, but it's just kind of understanding those cuts of where they come from, what they look like, even cuts that don't look alike at all. Uh, you were talking earlier about your flank steak. So flank steak, I, I, there's so many recipes out there for flank steak, but it's also extremely hard to find. I feel like 90% of the time. But if you just find a cut that's thin, I mean, you really can do any recipe the same, or you can even get a thick cut of something. You could take your, your top round and just slice it thin. And then you're gonna utilize it the same way in the recipe of marinating it and then grilling it. And it just makes it, I think so many people think so deeply about it. It's like, no, don't, don't look at it as, as a certain thing. It's just, it's, it's an ingredient. So you can adjust that ingredient. You could buy minced garlic or you can buy a whole head of garlic and chop it up and do what you want with it. It's trying to piece it together more like that and understanding that's why if you see the way the muscle fibers are going and you're cutting against the grain and you know you're working with good quality from the start, you really can just make things work with any recipe quite easily. So touching on your flank steak, why is it hard to find? Well, one, there's not many of them per animal, okay? So yeah. <laughs> two flank steaks per animal. So that kind of limits you down quite a bit. And two, it's usually used in food service pretty heavily. Um, so if it's pulled into the restaurant world and you don't really have it too much in terms of uh, retail then because we don't have a lot of it on the animal itself. So that's really why it's, it's not super popular uh, in retail. Yeah, so that's, it comes to the same thing, like trying to explain to them, look, there's only so much of this that comes around, right? I mean, what is it like the, is it the, it's not the hang, is it the hanger? There's one? Yeah, the hanging tender. There's only one of those. Per, one. So it, And I get asked for it all the freaking time. And I'm like, look, I don't have it. Like, I don't want you to say, I don't, I don't carcass. So I don't have it. It's not for sale to me even, you know? drives me nuts because I feel like it's usually a high-end chef that's had it and he made this recipe and then talks all about it and is simply saying it because it's an exclusive cut that you cannot get and so that's why they put it on their menu I'm like no makes, because now everyone's better. gonna want it yes. it makes like, them better because he did not uh, it drives me crazy isn't it funny and so the education to me isn't I mean I love what you guys do for that like like I said, to me, I find that for me, the education that you guys teach, and I hope that my customers feel the same way, because I know that I try to educate them. Sometimes I'll just lay out a story. This is why I do this. Another thing, this is, a, this is weird, but this is a common thing I get. I don't, I don't like, I don't like New York's. So I like ribeyes. Okay. So, and it's like, people think they're like way different cuts, like way different, like way different. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, well, you do realize you split it there. Yes. And that is a New York to this side. And that is a ribeye to that side. So, I mean, the flavor is different from, in my opinion, obviously, the, the marble that's in it, placed in it, different fats that run through it, is how I think there's a little different flavor. That's my opinion. I don't know if I'm right on it, but that's why I think it tastes a little bit different. But they're not that different. No, and I, I agree, like, because you, you will have in the ribeye, especially near the chuck end, you have two to three muscles within there. So you have that seam fat that's mixed in. So you're going to have a richer flavor within your ribeye because you have more fat in that cut. 
But then as you move back to the strip loin, I mean, that major muscle, the longissimus dorsi is the exact same muscle. So in terms of tenderness and that muscle alone, it's fairly similar across the board. And that's why always I preach at Christmas time when we have our family over and they want to have prime rib. I'm like, I'm just going to do a strip loin roast because it's a lot cheaper right now and it's going to eat just as good, I promise you. So it, it, it just amazes me that like when people, especially when you work with anyone that's a hunter too, because they know what backstrap is and they understand the whole, it goes down the whole back of the animal and like, yeah, that's the longissimus dorsi, that's your strip and your rib. It's like, oh, okay. And then they finally put it together, but they just don't think about it because it's such a large animal. And so and, it's- And it's labeled something different. Exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah. If we just all do the Latin terms, things would be so much better. I had somebody tell me one time, like, you think you could do a deer? Because they brought it to us. It was like mangled up, like mangled. They were terrible. Oh, gosh. And one of them said something to me like, well, do you think you could break it down? And I'm like, well, if you didn't tear it apart first, I could. <laughs> I'm like, but the only thing I'm going to do is cut that into ground beef and freaking chunks and grind the whole damn thing. And they... Okay. Uh, I mean, I think that that's what people don't get is that, yeah, it's cool to skin a deer. It's cool that you can cut the backstrap out and it's cool that you can quarter it, but you know, you still have to do a good job or you ain't saving any cuts on that. Exactly. Yes. It drives me nuts. I mean, you mangle that carcass, you drag that carcass, that thing goes rolling. I mean, that whole animal changes, you know? Yes. Oh yes. That's definitely going to be affected in the quality of the meat for sure. So you just went in from the ribeye of the New York end, of the strip end, okay? But then you also brought up the chuck end, okay? So one more time, it's another misleaded thing kind of in a way, but then you have your first cut of the chuck eye, right? I mean, you have your first cut. And same thing, when I, I last month put um, chuck roast in my, my special, and so we had a ton of chuck eyes, like tons of them. And I was like trying to explain to people like, you seriously will love this and find yourself buying these often. And um, there's a lot of times that we get our first three off of there where they are, even though they're smaller, they are extremely similar in, oh, yeah. in the, the look of a ribeye. And um it, and obviously it's, it is cheaper. You can't market the same way, but it's only separated by one thing. And that's a freaking knife going through it. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's yes. It's just that, that rib. I mean, you separate it between the fifth and sixth rib and it's just literally your knife mark. And it's amazing how often we have that same conversation here. It's okay. Check these Chuck eye steaks. You guys got to try them. Oh, there's no way they could be the same as a ribeye. I'm like, I, I promise you, like, I promise you, it's the, it's the exact same muscles and everything. You're going to want to eat it. And everyone loves it once they've had it. Like, like, you, you, gotta you, look you didn't feel that terror that I just felt. You didn't hear it. You didn't hear that sound. <laughs> That's my sound. I know I heard it. I know where it's at. No, it's, it's, uh, it's true. The, the three things that we just talked about, the New York, the ribeye, and the chuck, obviously, um, definitely three of the most popular cuts on a beef, in my opinion. Um, I, uh, I think there's outstanding flavor in all three. I think that Chuck, um, I, I loved when I was down at your place and we broke it down and then I came home and I had my meat cutters break it down too off of the video and showed them how we could truly utilize it if we chose to. It's hard in retail sometimes because you might um, sit on that cut because nobody knows about it or whatever, 
right? Short ribs look a little different depending on what, like kind of how you got them sometimes with uh, the flap. And then also, what is the, there's a muscle that runs under there. What, uh, where did, where else did you get the short rib on the chuck roll? You can get the, um, like the country style short ribs. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you that's just, from a different spot though. Yeah, yeah. But when we broke it down like that, it was cool because it was a learning experience from a meat cutter. Um, but same thing, like you put that out there, someone's never gonna, it's not a common thing they're gonna see or they want 10 of them and you're like, okay, you only get yeah. three. There's only three, like get it, there's only three. Yeah, that's, so that's the next thing that kind of is, is uh, what we had to do was start buying check flaps because our short ribs were selling a lot and you know, they didn't understand it. Well, I, I got them last time. You had like a bunch of them. And it's like, well, we didn't sell as many chuck, uh, chuck rolls this time. So this is what we got. It, that's always, the, even here, that's hard to, to teach our staff too of, yeah, if you have it this time, it might not be here next time. But it, the beauty of it is kind of giving them that exclusivity at the same time of it. Kind of like we were saying with the hanger stick, it's yeah, you, you need to get it now because if you don't, it might not be here the next time you're here, just based on how many there are per carcass and what we can utilize and what we need to sell. And there's only so much ground chuck that you can make and sell. So it's kind of just taking those all into consideration um, and just making sure that people understand the whole utilization of the animal. So are you a ground chuck, a ground round, a ground sirloin, or a ground beef girl? say just ground beef yeah I, that's, that's what i and i feel like i have to say that as as someone that has broken down sides of beef like i would love to call out and say i only want this prop this thing ground but there's so much ground that's going to be occurring at some point that you need to throw it all together and you might as well just mix it in and and call it good i mean it's there's definitely differences between them. I will say that. And if I had to be picky, I could make a specific blend that I wanted, but I, I appreciate all ground beef in general. So I, I would go with that. So my meat cutter is picky. We, he are, is. we are extremely known for our ground beef, like extremely known. And it's oh. funny because he will literally go from like a clod to go cut a ribeye and put the tail in and then to go back to like a top and put that in there and then finish with a knuckle. And like, he, he uh, takes a ton of pride in it. And I should be getting <laughs> nine bucks a pound for it all day long with what I allow him to put in it. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, he, he's happy and, and he prides himself on it. And I, I can appreciate that more than almost anything is how much pride I think my cutters take in what they do. That's awesome. And that I feel like that's so true. If you get, if you have passion in your work, I mean, it's going to show and it's going to cause the quality of the, of what you're producing to be that much better too. That's so awesome. So, so I, I wanted to, I don't know if I've told you about our, our bacon burgers before, but we, uh, but it's kind of been a signature, uh, a signature uh, blend for us. Um, okay. And he, I'm sorry. Um, and he started this with, so we had a small time grocery store 
carcass beef, you know, for like 40 years or something back in the day. And a gentleman passed away about two years ago. So he had owned the grocery store that I started my barbecue business in. Um, okay. They weren't carcass anymore. He still cut up, my meat cutter still cut up carcass sometimes. Um, but one day he comes and brings me these burgers and goes, try this. And I did. And then you, he put a uh, regular sliced bacon in it, just your normal bacon in it. And it was good, but we could not sell the damn things. Like they aged fast because the bacon, uh, there was yeah. multiple things about it. So like we froze them way more than we sold them. And I had to do, um, I offered to do burgers for the whole football team um, one day. And I pulled out all those packs killed it just kill it put them on the smoker and they were so freaking good so then i introduced the burgers to our uh customers by me cooking them and selling burgers for for uh for them and i could think i sold them at 10 bucks it was a, a drink chips and a burger or something like that but that is actually how we got our bacon burgers out to the public was me smoking them I'm telling you that tasting is believing. If you get them to just try it, and that's that's what I always say whenever, like, if you're trying to push a new cut, have them try it. And then the minute that they do, it's, oh, I got to have this. I mean, even at the center, when we have people in, it's, let's try any cut that you want to try off the side, because I know once you do, you're going to want to order it later. Otherwise, oh, yeah, that looked really good, but I didn't have it. Now I'm just going to go back to ordering what I always order. So it's really not that big of a deal. It's like, no, I want you to experiment with some new cuts. I mean, they could be cost savings for you too, by bringing these in. So it's just giving them that experience is awesome. I love that. That's so, so cool. So we took that burger, same burger, and I started doing smash burgers with them out of oh, my nice. food truck. Okay. So flat top's kind of a hot thing right now. Right. So think about this. You have so we started putting slab bacon in it, um, like whole, whole okay. chunks. Okay, uh, a little bit more stout flavor, um, doesn't age as fast. There's there's a few different reasons why, but I mean, just in general, a really really good slab bacon we're using, and he mixes it with our ground beef. Same thing. He'll he'll do the ground he'll do the ground beef, and then he'll save they'll save a section for his bacon burgers it's kind of it's, it's awesome because it goes back to the pride thing i love it and he'll save like when he sees a section of the bacon burgers he wants to mix in. he, he does it. awesome. it's like a whole lugger in there and then all of a sudden he gets his sections i'm like i'll walk back there and be like what are you doing I'm like and he'll be like you know look at this look at this one look at this one right here check out dude it's gonna be so good and it's it's awesome but uh so i started doing the the smash burgers on a flat top. So you have the bacon in there, ribeye trim, New York trim, straight up good ground beef. Like they are packed with flavor and they don't get dry. So oh you have a little bit of everything. And it's like, um, I only put a sauce on it and American cheese and a really, really good bun. And that is it. That is phenomenal. And it helps me because I don't have waste of lettuce. I don't have waste of tomato. I don't have waste of onions, right? Because I mean, once you cut them open, if you're not selling it every day, you're just throwing them away anyway when it's That's all said and done. Yeah. So for me, I wanted to keep it simple because I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to work a restaurant every day. That's not what I want to do. Um, but I have it and 
people love it. Like we we sold, I don't know, like three hundred the other day in a couple hours. Like we were just banging them out one after another, and I couldn't see anything. There's so much damn grease popping up everywhere. My glasses are covered and. But we, the only thing, the add-ons we do use is a hatch chili. We're close to New Mexico. Chili's a big oh, thing yeah. over here. And so that's the only add-on we do. But then I'm like sitting there and I'm like, man, I, I carry a waffle fry because I wanted them to be like somewhat nachos type of deal. Loaded, loaded nachos, loaded fries is kind of a big barbecue thing. And I started like playing around and I'm like, well, you get the crust from the smash burger still. So then I just basically put them in half pound balls and smash it on the flat top. And then on, after I flip it, then I'll add the chilies next to it. So it's cooking the green chilies again, roasting them again on the flat top with the grease from the, obviously the yeah. bacon, the grind and everything. And then I just mix it all in and we throw it on top of the waffle fries and drizzle it with our sauce. And I add, I add the cheese in there too. So it's melted in as well. But I mean, they were a huge hit. Dang, that sounds so good. <laughs> but it's all simple. Like, you know, like it's not 900 items for 10 bucks. Like, I think I go to restaurants and I feel bad sometimes. I'm like, you don't need all that. And you're doing too much for $10. Well, and that's what you're like asking. It's like, I don't want that and that and that on it. So just keep it easy. I feel like people just want that, the simpleness of everything rather than so complicated. So they don't. Brian is a huge baker burger lover. Oh yes, he is. So yeah. I'll send him pic I'll send him pictures of it all the time and he'll be like, dude, mouse watering. And yes. but I did the same thing. I had reached out to Gavin. Gavin responded to me of what he likes to do. You know, Brian, I know he's like a food connoisseur. Like I love it. He is. He probably he's talked about going out by you for those burgers too. As, <laughs> I remember him texting me one day and was like, all of us are around here looking at this thing on your on your page. And I'm like, that's that's pretty cool considering the, you know, a bunch of really good chefs and these scientists far above my level that you'd be looking at it. But it's just that I think that was the coolest experience I've ever had as as a business owner was being around a bunch of people. And it comes down to it, we're all just we're all just people, you know, like we're all just have a love for food and a love for meat and I loved it. I, I, I'm ready to come back already. Yeah, you have to. You guys had a good group there too. The, the everyone that came with you was, was awesome. I just think the that camaraderie that you guys had was, was great and everyone was willing to share and give some tips. It was great, great group. We had world champions there, you know, you yeah. had, I mean, there were some big time people there. Like it was, it was fun. A lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Danielle loved it. Um, she learned a ton. I know we we flew out later today that day together and stuff, and um, we we've kept in touch quite a bit. But I learned a lot from her. I mean, she puts out a ton of content. She utilizes a lot of cuts, kind of like what we talked about. Yes. Um, and I don't think there's anybody that puts out better teaching knowledge to anybody she helps so many people become better it's simple when she like talks about stuff she breaks it down pretty easily and just keeps it simple which i love you know what i learned from her is she we're similar in one way we're not afraid to tell someone no like the last hey is this how you no no that's not how we do it we did it like this like this is why my wife got a my wife had someone stop her in the store a couple weeks ago and said you know 
sometimes I read your husband's comments back to some of the customers and I'm like, that was, that's kind of mean. And then she's like, but then I think about it and it's like, he explained the whole thing. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I can see why he, he just yeah. wanted words answers them sometimes. I probably yeah. should do better. She was uh, really good. My wife was really good in customer service and I'm probably, I had no training. So I'm, <laughs> I come from seven boys. I am who I am. Like I gotta let you know my opinion. <laughs> I do. I I've loved talking to you and I really appreciate you taking time out and uh spending time with me today. Yeah, it's um, been great. I hope I can come out there and visit sometime in the near future. Yeah, let's come during a good time. Arizona has yeah. Arizona has seasons. I don't know I don't know about everybody's seasons, but our fall is about second to none. See, that's what I, I feel like I've heard that a lot. So that's I'm gonna have to make a trip in the fall. So yeah, in, that would in the valley, you know, there falls like a high of, I don't know, 90, 85 ish, maybe like, but the nights cool off a little bit. And then here it's a lot, it's a little colder, but um, just beautiful sunsets, really cool weather, really cool, I don't know, really clean places that, that I live in. And I don't know, my wife enjoys the seasons a lot more than I do, but um, she doesn't cook outside in it either. So. <laughs> Uh, she'll always have ideas. We need to open the food truck. I'm like, you cooking in it? And she's yeah. like, you're going to be in that hot box. <laughs> it was 102 when I opened my thermometer to check a burger the other day. Oh my and, God. I, and I had AC running. Oh my gosh. I had AC running and a door open, and it's still, I mean, those flat tops are hot. They put on heat. They definitely do. So Good I just got a new one put in like two weeks ago. So I did an event for, um, it was quoted at 500 people in three hours. And uh, yeah, we didn't have 500. We, we were short, just under, sh uh, right around 400 was what we finished. But, but it was supposed to start at a certain time. And I'm like, good, I'll start it and get ahead. And no, no. I, as soon as I started cooking, they could smell it and they walked right up, got a line. I couldn't wait. I just had to knock, hand them out. Here you go. Here you go. And it was, we would go back and forth between windows and we could do, uh, we could do about nine at a time. So my flat top held about 18 to 20. So we, my wife just sat there on the other uh, flat top, just heating buns one after another. Somebody sauced the buns one after another. And then I would lay down the burger as soon as it hit 160. Oh, can we talk about that real quick? That, I'm sorry, I was going to let you go, but just the point of 160, the burger thing, okay? I mean, it's it's kind of a touchy subject because now that I cook burgers, right, you don't want to send them out raw, whatever, but we still have people with misunderstanding. There is a reason why you can eat a steak at 120, 120 degrees, and you cannot eat a burger finished at 120 degrees. What is that reason? Well, so your inside of your steak is, is considered sterile. So the only thing that's that's dirty or has bacteria on it is the outside surface of the steak. That's going to touch a grill that's 500 degrees. So anything that touches that surface is going to be killed because right that's basically. Now your burger, though, you've taken the outside and you've literally mixed it into the inside. It's touched a bunch of other things. I mean, you probably had someone's hands touching it at one point, too. So you have a lot of bacteria that's inside the meat. So you need to make sure that the inside of it actually gets cooked to 160 degrees as well. And that is why, like, as a meat scientist, I love the smash burger in terms of taste. But then from a food safety standpoint, I mean, 
you cook that thing to smithereens, it's smashed all the way, you are definitely not going to have a food safety risk in it too. So, so there's be a hero and order your steak or your burger to 120. It's like, no, you want it cooked all the way through every time. That is how people get sick. People get mad at me and they tell yes. me, they tell me I'm a snob. No lie. It gets told me all the time. I'll be like, I ain't going there. They're like, why? I'm like, cause they, they don't get it. And it's like, you're just a jerk. Cause this, no, no, I'm not. Like I've had training. I, I, I know what you're supposed to do. And like, I remember you talking about this specific thing of why. And since then I have never undercooked a burger. I am 160 all day long and I am tempting burgers, including smash burgers in my truck before I ship, ship them out. That's awesome. You gotta be, I mean, you gotta be safe. You don't wanna be that person that gets everyone sick, like ever. That's, and you know it will happen. If you have one person get sick, there's gonna be a lot of others that fall through. So you might as well just cook it all the way and be get done with it. I just never knew why, how I could get sick off a burger until I went to your place and was taught that. Never knew. I never yeah. knew the true reason why until until then. And so that that was huge. And I think that's really important to tell people because it is a it is a misunderstanding. And to see them like write stars on it, just saying that it's like, don't do it. You can be sick. No, you should just straight up tell them we're 160. Like be the 160 people and save them the trouble. If you have a good enough grind. That's going to be a good enough burger anyway. I agree completely. I mean, if you do your job right on a flat top grill, even if it's thicker, if you do your job and you're getting a good sear on both sides and you can let that thing cook, if you have a good fat to meat ratio in it, that can be still a juicy burger at 160 degrees. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And you're going to put ketchup or sauce or cheese or whatever on top of it anyway so yeah it's definitely going to be good as long as you start with quality it'll be a good burger yeah yeah you guys need to come out and let us cook for you we i think i think we should bring the group back and let us treat you guys to some food hey, that'd be fun that would be a lot of fun we can't do that I mean, I'm sure that uh, our, I don't know, we talked about it a little bit, like I'm sure our group could throw down something where even if it was like, hey, pick one thing, one thing, you know, do a finger food for them. Because as uh, cooks, a lot of times people don't want to cook for me and I'm sure they feel the same way. I bet your guys feel the same way. You know, people probably get intimidated to cook for them and stuff, but, you know, sometimes it's nice not cooking. I, I enjoy it sometimes. Yeah, and then it's fun to see what people come up with, too. That's what I love. It's like, oh, look at that. Like, that's totally out of the box compared to what we would think of. That's why I love it. I love when the guests cook. Well, that's how your guys is, in my opinion, the chefs cook. I remember talking um, with one of them. They're, they're, um, is their uh, steak sauce, their aiolis and stuff like that. Like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't Tony. It was Peter, Chef Peter. Yeah, he made like a red chili one and it was it was like awesome. Like I liked it. You know, all, all I ever see was the bright green one, right? I mean, that's the most common. Is, yeah. But when he made that one, I'm like, dude, that one is, that's for real. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a difference of probably a flavor, you know, different taste buds and stuff. But I just thought they did really cool stuff and it'd be cool sometimes to probably treat people as well that, you know, have treated you. Um, yeah, I think that we do have to get your group back together. I think that should be a goal. 
within this year. Yeah, they better talk about that. Since we missed last year, they better. What's that? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, you're an amazing person. Congratulations on your family growing. I'm excited for you guys. Your husband, I hope he gets a boy. <laughs> I think he does too. <laughs> uh, and every uh, every big sister, they're, uh, they're good to have. I'm glad my kids have sisters that are older because sometimes it's fun to see them put them back in line. <laughs> and so I think she'll definitely keep structure around the house. So that's good. That'll help you out. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I hope everything goes nice and smooth. Thanks for everything, Diana. I think you're amazing. And I, uh, I've really looked up to you in the last uh, few years. I've been able to get to know you. Yeah, and I appreciate you reaching out. This is a lot of fun. I always learn from you while, when we meet and talk. So uh, this was awesome. Great takeaways. Well, I remember during COVID and we had the, a good hour talk about what, what what's going on and how can I, how can I get meat to people? You know, it was... Uh, <laughs> I know I take you by surprise when I told you I was there from like two in the morning till 10 at, 10 at night sometimes. And, and it then, blew my mind when, you, when you're like, oh yeah, I can talk to you at 4 a.m. like, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. 4 a.m. my time is 2 a.m. your time. What are you doing? <laughs> it, during that time, we, we put together almost 200 case days. So 200 cases oh a gosh. day we were, we were shipping out. And there was, only, there was only four of us working there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty wild. The US Foods hooked us up with an extra truck and we did a special on chicken breasts and we sold cases of chicken breasts just by the box. And oh um God. we uh we ended at fifteen hundred cases of chicken breasts during that time that we got to people. Wow. Yeah, it was that wild. <laughs> so one shamrock driver dropped dropped the load off to us and he's like you know this is pretty good I, I it was i don't remember exactly what it was but it was something that that i couldn't get from us food like they would go back and forth one day they had it one day us foods had it one day shamrock had it one day us foods had it and i remember him dropping that pallet off and then i'm being like dang dude that's a lot. He's like, well, I just dropped two pallets of chicken off over there. And I'm like, that's cool, dude. And he's like, <laughs> all of a sudden, U.S. Foods rolled up and they put like six pallets in my truck. And I'm like, two pallets is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It opened his eyes a little bit how much we were really moving right then and there, you know? Yeah. And I had $20,000 like days of paying out uh u.s foods for their products at that time it was it was a lot <laughs> yeah i uh remember the first time i told my wife to write a check to one of them it was like 18 grand and she i'm like hey i need you to write this check and she's like what what <laughs> and she's like this is why i am not part of this business <laughs> it's like i can't handle the stress <laughs> no there's no way Oh my gosh. I would not have a sane wife if I made her help us. <laughs> oh man. Well, thanks for everything. It was good to talk to you and I'm excited to see what you have. Yeah, great to talk to you too. I hope you have a great day. Thanks, you too. We'll see ya. See ya.